Welcome to Finding My Fit. I'm Athena and I'm just a girl trying to find where the heck I fit into the big wide world. Finding My Fit empowers you to become your happiest and healthier self. Join me every week as we discuss all things health, wellness, mindset, manifestation and lots lots more so you can find your fit. everybody and welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm joined by Brooke and she is a certified nutrition coach and weight loss expert and she's on a mission to help as many people as possible to lose weight for the last time through making sustainable habits and changes to their lifestyle and their mindset. Unlike diets, apps and programs that literally suck the joy out of life, She helps people make simple, gradual tweaks to their nutrition and their lifestyle so that they can sustain their weight loss and achieve their goals without needing to go on drastic diets. We talked about all of this and lots, lots more today on the episode. In particular, we spoke about why you might be struggling to lose weight, various weight loss various weight loss myths and misconceptions that get on our nerves. We spoke about the importance of mindset when it comes to reaching certain health goals and why allowing yourself to eat your favourite foods and find what you enjoy the most when it comes to nutrition and exercise are really, really important. And we also spoke a bit about the common mistakes that you might be making or that many people are making when it comes to reaching a weight loss goal as well as the importance of looking at everything as a whole. So nutrition, exercise, stress management, sleep, and all of that good stuff. So let's get on into the episode. I really hope you guys enjoy this one. So Brooke, if you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into coaching. Yes, of course. Thank you again for having me here today. I'm so exciting. excited to be connecting across the world. Uh, I mentioned I'm in California, so <laughs> quite far from you, but uh, yeah, so I was originally actually a teacher. I was a high school English teacher, and I started teaching right after college in my 20s, and I kind of say that a lot of stuff sort of happened to me in my 20s physically. I gained about 20 pounds after college, never really gained the typical freshman 15, as we call it here in the United States in college, but had that weight gain after college. And I also just kind of felt bloated and tired and really hungry all the time, sort of like food controlled me, feeling very out of control, really myself when it came to food and just kind of felt, I guess, gross all the time. I didn't feel like I think I had heard I should feel in my 20s, just very vibrant and like those were the best years of my life physically. I tried everything, as I'm sure many of your listeners and, you know, a lot of people out there have done uh, to look and feel better. I tried exercising a ton, counting calories, doing different juice cleanses, you name it, I tried it, but nothing I did really helped me lose weight, keep it off long-term and have the high energy and confidence that I craved. So I'm not one to give up. I decided to really do a deep dive and figure this out. And I knew that other people had figured out how 
to look and feel their best without constantly dieting or giving up entire food groups. So I went on kind of a mission, I guess you will, and kind of went down a rabbit hole of research. And I eventually enrolled in a course that was training you to become a nutrition coach. But I mentioned I was a teacher. So I was really just kind of using it more for the knowledge that it would give me. I wasn't expecting to break off and do this full time. And I read a lot of books. I mean, I just really got my hands on as much information as I could and eventually realized it was absolutely possible to look and feel my best in spite of my career, in spite of getting older. And really it boiled down to making small, gradual nutrition and lifestyle tweaks. And that's what I did. And I ended up losing the weight, losing all of the bloated feeling I had, feeling completely in control around food. And I say that really, it kind of opened up this window to me and I realized I'm able to lose, I was able to lose weight while loving life and making the most out of life, living my best life, however you want to say it. And I think that's so important because people get in this trap that diet culture kind of sends to us that weight loss and maintaining your weight loss has to be kind of terrible and it has to require counting everything or giving things up. And it doesn't have to be awful. If that's one message I can send today, it's just all about those small, simple, gradual tweaks to your nutrition and lifestyle. So I guess I learned all of this and I just wanted to shout it from the rooftops and I used to live in New York City when I was teaching and my husband and I moved to California and I decided to give up my teaching career and just pursue nutrition coaching full time so that I would be able to have other people have the same success I've had. And that's what I do now. Thank you for sharing that. I I think that is one of the amazing things about Uh, being like an online coach is that you Mm. can literally help people from all across the world and it doesn't matter where you're located like you can move around you've got a bit more freedom yeah it was that so you sort of got into nutrition like because you because of personal reasons because you wanted to feel better in yourself and the struggles that you faced when it came to eating well and maintaining a healthy lifestyle they definitely sound like struggles that many other people also face when they are trying to get a bit healthier so why do you think that so many people have these struggles when it comes to weight loss or when it comes to just living a healthier lifestyle like what is it do you think that people find so difficult about it is it lack of education or is it the abundance of unhealthy foods that we have like Do you think there's a main cause for it? I think both of those are big ones. So I, like I said, kind of spent years doing this research and I I mean, it wasn't just readily available to me. There wasn't just one place I felt I could turn and just get all the answers that I was looking for. So it's definitely lack of education. And I would say another big issue is when people are trying to get their their education. Let's say they're going to Google and typing in weight loss tips or sustainable weight loss. Then you're also being targeted with all of these ads saying, try this program for 10 days and you'll lose 10 pounds or 
there's just so many messages around us and on social media as well. You probably have friends who have cut out sugar and carbs and maybe they've lost 10 pounds. And then maybe you don't end up seeing that they gain the weight back eventually. You just see that initial weight loss. So then that becomes something that you want to try. Uh, or, you know, there's again, so many juice cleanses, apps to count calories. There's just so, so much out there. It's such a saturated market. So it would seem like all the answers should be there and the education should be easy, but it's actually not. It just, I think for a lot of people becomes overwhelming and there's so much noise that it gets to the point where you have the best intentions and you try all the things, but then you get bogged down by never figuring out what actually works and then wasting a lot of time, money, and energy in the process and possibly even just throwing up your hands and saying, whatever, I give up. I'm not doing this anymore. So to, to your point, I think education is definitely a big one. I also agree with you. I think so much of the processed packaged foods that aren't bad in and of themselves. I enjoy packaged foods. You know, I have some in my cupboard right now. Um, they're not bad food. So that's one thing I think we also need to kind of address is that when we get down this road of labeling foods as good or bad, that can be a really tough spot to be in because really every food is just more nutritious or less nutritious. And we're not good or bad for eating a certain thing. But all that being said, these foods are typically less nutritious, especially the ultra processed varieties, and they're not going to fill us up as much. And they are going to lead us to constantly be craving more because they're the perfect blend of salt, sugar, fat, crunch, umami. You know, they have all of the flavors in there. They've been created in labs to be irresistible. It's not a joke that you can't just have one chip, right? It's very, very difficult to open a bag and just eat one chip. So I think that's another issue. Like you said, if all of these things are readily available for most of us, they're within arm's length at all times. And again, it's not, I'm not saying you have to cut out all of these things, but there's a way to relook at nutrition and ask, how can I eat the most nutrient dense things? most of the time so that there's room for me to enjoy the treats and indulgences I love some of the time. I completely agree with you. I think a, a lot of the problem comes from the mixed messages that are out there. It's like you go on say Instagram or Facebook or even scrolling online and you see that everybody is trying to sell their own program. They're trying to sell some miraculous sort of weight loss program that they've tried and they're obviously going to say that it works for them because they're trying to sell that program yeah. but what works for one person doesn't work for another and right. sometimes these results are very quick yes but they're not sustainable and mm-hmm. I think that's when people get in this sort of cycle of going on a diet then regaining the weight then going on a diet then regaining and I think a lot of this problem stems around that but as well, the fact that we're not educated about this at school. Like, I really mm. don't understand why nutrition is not like one of the core things that we're taught in schools. I don't know what it's like in, in America, to be fair, but I know in the UK, 
we don't get taught anything about nutrition at all like literally nothing and I think that is contributing to this problem that we have as adults because we don't know what we're supposed to be doing apart from the things that we read online which are often inaccurate is that sort of a problem in America with the education system or do you get a bit more nutrition education in schools I think that I mean maybe there's some but it's not in a way that is memorable or compelling (laughs) um you know when I used to teach I know that the physical education teachers were kind of in charge of the health class and they had a textbook so I think there might have been a chapter on nutrition. Um, I know they would also show documentaries in class, which can be kind of a slippery slope because every documentary is very emotionally charged and really trying to get you to be in one camp. If we think of is uh, nutrition being sort of like a religion at times, people kind of attach themselves to, I have to be this, or I have to be this. Um, so I don't, I don't think the way maybe at least I've observed the teaching is going about nutrition is the best. I also know that our school lunches are terrible. So even if a kid is learning how to eat well in their class, and then they go to lunch, what's being served in the cafeteria is all of the junk, you know, that again, can fit in here and there. But if every day for lunch, you're eating the hamburgers and the pizza and the French fries, that's a mixed message. If you've just come from health class and you've learned to eat fruits and vegetables and, you know, lean protein, let's say. Um, I know another issue is that many physicians in our country, uh, our medical education, even doctors aren't trained very much on nutrition. So we turn to our doctors for their expert guidance. And when we have some type of ailment or let's say weight gain, even we would maybe go to our doctor and ask for their advice, but they have only been educated in nutrition for a very, very teeny, tiny part of their, I don't know, eight years, however long it is. And generally it's not even preventative nutrition. It's more how to help somebody not get scurvy type of nutrition. So I think there's a lot, you know, this education topic is so charged, but I think you're completely right that we're not teaching it in schools. And so then obviously, how are we going to know when we get out of school, how we should be eating? Maybe we had parents who kind of were educated themselves and taught us, Um, but more likely than not, I think we just try to figure it out on our own, and that's where we get into trouble. Um, And then to another point you said, um, you know, we are seeing on Instagram, like I mentioned, and like you mentioned, the person losing weight on these fad diets. And really, I want everybody listening to think of social media, as I'm sure you know to do, but as the highlight reel of someone's life. So they're posting all of the things that are going well. So you said if they've tried this weight loss program promising miraculous results, yes, they may be posting that they lost weight and that they feel great, but if they eventually gain the weight back or if they stop feeling so great on whatever diet it is they're on, they're probably not going to go on and post about that because that's not one of the kind of like shiny objects in their life. They're not proud of that. So just be very careful of who you trust in terms of your health and your body and 
be sure that the person has some type of qualifications other than just, I did this diet and lost 10 pounds in 10 days. If it seems too good to be true, and if it seems like a quick result, it's probably not going to be the best thing for you. So this episode of the podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If there is something that is preventing you from achieving your goals or interfering with your happiness, then BetterHelp can help. (laughs) They will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can send a message to your counsellor or therapist at any time and you can schedule weekly video or phone calls. So you never have to go and sit uncomfortably in a doctor's waiting room anymore. You can literally talk to your therapist from the comfort of your own home. There are professional counsellors that specialise in depression, stress, anxiety, anger, self-esteem, grief, trauma. There are so many different things that can affect your health and BetterHelp have counsellors for all of these. You can check out their testimonials on their website if you want to learn more about other people's experiences. As one of my listeners today, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting my sponsor at betterhelp.com. So that's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash listener. Let's continue with the episode. The quick results are often the worst results in a way. (laughs) When it comes to weight loss, it kind of is that way, isn't it? You mentioned about the doctors in America, and I think it's the same in the UK that I think they get like a few hours of nutrition education Mm -hmm. in the first year. And I think that's literally all they get. Or that's what I've heard. And I I actually started a medical degree quite a few years ago now. I, I only did a bit of the first year before I dropped out. But I remember having like literally no nutrition education in that at all. So it's funny how we're all told to go to the doctor because they know best. But in reality, we probably should be going to people like you and dietitians and nutritionists because they're the ones that are educated in nutrition, as the name suggests. With that, what do you think is the biggest weight loss myth or misconception that people have nowadays? What is the one that gets on your nerves the most? I think the one, well, there's so many, but, um, I kind of mentioned that it has to be terrible or awful. I mean, really you can lose weight and you can feel great and you can sustain it long-term if you just take the things you're currently doing and tweak them slightly here and there. So how you're balancing your plate, the type of movement you're doing, it can all work for your lifestyle, your unique time constraints, your culture, your likes, your dislikes. I mean, if somebody's telling you, you have to eat kale or you have to not eat a certain thing, just any absolutes like that, you should just run away from because nothing absolute is going to be sustainable long-term, especially if it's not fitting in with your lifestyle and things that you actually like, um, and kind of fitting with what you kind of gravitate towards. Um, I would say another one is that people focus so, so much on the initial weight loss, but they don't think about the 40 years that follow. So what you have to understand is the things you're going to do to lose weight, if you want to keep the weight off long-term, 
have to be things that you're comfortable doing for, let's say 40 plus years, or, you know, let's extend it longer, 60 years. We're all living to over a hundred these, let's say. So you have to ask yourself, am I going to be okay doing these things for 60 years? If you're not, if your answer is no, and I'm guessing if you're trying calorie counting or if you're cutting out carbs and sugar or any of these restrictive or kind of extreme approaches, you're not going to be okay doing that thing for 60 years. So you have to have an exit plan. Some people will say, yes, I love doing a more keto style of eating and I don't miss carbs and I love, I feel great and I'm just thriving and that's fine. So I think I'm not here to ever tell anybody you can't do a certain approach. If it's working for you and you feel healthy and you're going to the doctor and you're getting amazing blood work and everything's going great, that's awesome. But the issue is that people think those are the only avenues to turn to these kind of extreme things that we see and they don't feel comfortable doing those things forever. So they do them for a few weeks, maybe a month, and then they can't sustain those practices, let's say for even two months, much less a year. So that's not the kind of 60 year approach we're looking for. So maybe that's a new way to kind of reframe if you're on a weight loss journey, asking yourself, can I do this thing for 60 years? And if your answer is no, you have to find something else. Yeah, I love that. Thinking about the long term, that is what we need to be doing. But so many people are only thinking about, you know, the next two months, the time period before their holiday because they just want that bikini body instead of thinking about like how is this gonna affect me years down the line and I think with that a lot of it comes down to mindset so do you think mindset is important when it comes to weight loss or achieving a certain health and fitness goal and what are some of the most critical mindset shifts that you think people need to make in order to reach their goals and sustain those goals in the long term? Yeah, I mindset is absolutely critical. I say if you're not working on your mindset alongside your behavior changes right there hand in hand, you are absolutely going to struggle. And I don't say that to be Debbie Downer, kind of this negative person, but If you're doing some approach that's only focusing on a list of foods that are good and bad or things you can and can't do, and there's no piece of it that's helping you kind of break out of this dieting approach, this extremes, then it's going to be hard to take that 60 year, that long-term approach because your mindset's still going to be stuck in the dieting mentality. And maybe you're trying to do more sustainable habits, but it's going to be rough. So One mindset shift I think is critical for everyone to adopt is that since we're doing this forever, since we've just decided the habits we're going to implement day in, day out are going to be forever. And when you think about it, we, the majority of us eat three, four, five times a day. So it's going to be day in, day out forever. So it's got to be that you're coming from this place of progress, not perfection. That's a huge mindset shift to make. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to eat perfectly. I would actually say it's better if you don't. (laughs) If you don't try to eat perfect and you enjoy a piece of pizza or a glass of wine here and there, 
that to me is the type of life I want to lead. So I don't want anybody telling me you could never have a glass of wine for the rest of your life to have optimal health. Um, not saying that alcohol is good for you, <laughs> just as a side note, but I think you know what I mean. Like I want to live life. I want to eat things that I enjoy and have treats every now and then. So if you break out of this idea of having to be perfect and eat perfectly, then you're also going to break out of this idea that you're always starting over. I see all the time people posting diet starts Monday, or I fell off the wagon, or I have to get back on track. And that's going to be a grueling rest of your life if every week you're restarting every Monday. So tell yourself, maybe even put it on a post-it and put it on your bathroom mirror. Maybe put it in your car as well and in your kitchen cabinet. We're looking for progress, not perfection, as long as you take consistent, imperfect action, your success will be inevitable and you'll be able to sustain your success long-term. Really, it all boils down to consistency. So any mindset shift we're looking for is going to help us stay more consistent. Another one I touched on is this idea of stop labeling foods as good or bad and start just even maybe visualizing a line in front of you as a continuum and visualizing we have more nutritious foods and we have less nutritious foods. And then when you're eating something, you're asking yourself, is this a more nutritious choice or a less nutritious choice? And if it's less, then that's fine, right? You have the cookie, you move on with your day, you don't get wrapped up in this cycle of guilt and shame. And then you think, okay, I just had the most delicious cookie. How can I eat something more nutritious at my next meal so that I'm kind of balancing things out and I'm giving my body the fuel it needs. I'm giving it the nutrients it needs. If you think of your body like a car, you can't give your car less nutritious food all the time, right? You can't give it maybe a lot of the things you're used to eating, or if you want to think in terms of gasoline, you can't give it the improper gasoline and expect it to run smoothly and awesome the way you want it to. So the same goes for your body. If you're always eating the less nutritious things, you're not giving it the fuel it needs, maybe for weight loss, but also to feel energized, just to feel confident, you know, all of the ways we want to feel to live our best life, you, you're going to have to kind of incorporate more nutritious foods into your daily habits. Progress, not perfection. Yes. Yes. I, I love that. So I think everyone should, if they have like a goal, a fitness goal, a weight loss goal, they should be writing that somewhere in their notebook on a sticky note, putting it on the mirror, progress, not perfection, because it's not sustainable to expect yourself to adhere to this perfect diet. And in reality, what even is a perfect diet? Like we need to enjoy the quote unquote unhealthy foods in order to enjoy life. Like I always remember actually, it was, this must've been like a couple of years ago now, but one of my friends said, she was asking me about um, how I, how I managed to eat chocolate and then still look the way I do and still like mm. maintain a certain physique and whatever and I was like what do you mean I was like I can, mm. you can still eat chocolate and have 
you know, a desirable physique. You can still eat chocolate and achieve your weight loss goals. You can still eat chocolate and be healthy. And I think there's just so much stigma around certain foods and eating these unhealthy foods. A lot of people kind of think if I have any, like even the smallest amount of chocolate or takeaway pizza burgers then I'm going to suddenly go off track and gain loads of weight and it it just doesn't work like that I think we need to shift our mindset from being everything has to be healthy and perfect to if I nourish my body with mostly healthy foods I can still have the odd indulgent food as well life is meant to be lived and we can't you know we can't deny ourselves of the really nice delicious foods that we love because that is unsustainable as well yes 100% what mistakes do you think people are making when it comes to exercise stress management and sleep when it comes to achieving a weight loss goal because we know that nutrition is a massive factor when it comes to you know achieving a certain weight but all of these other factors are often overlooked. So what mistakes do you think people are making when it comes to these other factors? For exercise, I would say one mistake, you just mentioned nutrition is critical for weight loss, if that's somebody's goal. Um, So definitely get out of your mind that you're exercising for the purpose of weight loss, because that is not going to be the best way to go about it. Exercise can certainly be supportive of weight loss. It's fantastic for your overall health, for your mental health, for your longevity. I'm not saying exercise is bad. It's incredible. But if anybody out there is just killing themselves in the gym, as I used to do on the elliptical, that was me, 45 minutes to an hour at a time, multiple times a week for the purpose of weight loss, Stop that right now and turn your attention to dialing in your your nutrition. And then again, a mindset shift to go along with that. Think anytime you exercise, you're doing it to feel strong. You're doing it to feel confident, to have more energy and get in touch with those feelings right after you exercise and really notice how it makes your body feel. And instead of thinking, you know, I'm doing this for a number on the scale, do it for those reasons. And also going along with what we were saying earlier about all of these diet trends and extremes that all of your friends are trying, you figure out some type of exercise that works for you that can is somewhat enjoyable. You're probably not going to love every time you exercise. I know I don't, but don't get sucked into this idea that you have to have a Peloton or you have to go to this bar class or you have to do something that's trending at the time. Really all movement is good movement, going for a walk, if you enjoy running, swimming, strength training is awesome, especially if you're looking for some type of exercise that is more supportive of weight maintenance, strength training is really, really incredible. Um, But I would say figure out something that works for you, but rely on nutrition again for weight loss and exercise for just mental, heart, overall health. In terms of stress management and sleep, I think, first of all, we know, right, a lot of us have too much stress and we sleep too little. I mean, that's something that's kind of obvious, but if you realize that the more stressed you are and the less you're sleeping or the poor quality of your sleep can actually impact your hunger hormones the next day. So you could even 
eat 300 to 500 extra calories the next day just because you didn't sleep well or because you're extra stressed. If you're aware of that, then maybe it becomes more of a motivator to put the phone away 30 minutes earlier and get into bed 30 minutes earlier. And then maybe the next week it's 30 minutes earlier than that. So you're slowly but surely working up to a solid eight, maybe more hours of sleep a night. For stress management, you know, figuring out again, what works for you. There's no one size fits all approach. I think there's a lot of shiny objects out there with that as well. If you have to get a massage or do a bubble bath and maybe those aren't for you. Maybe your stress management is some type of movement or maybe it's calling a friend while you're on a walk or listening to your favorite podcast. I mean, there's so many ways to kind of check out. Maybe it's setting boundaries at work with your coworkers or your boss that you're not going to be available after a certain time at night. And just prioritizing, you know, self-care. I think that term has been commandeered and made very trite and cliche now of self-care this and self-care that. But really self-care is so critical. It's so important. And it's not selfish. It's not something selfish to do. It's absolutely important if you want to look and feel your best, which I think if we're being honest with ourselves, that's something we all are after. The core message really is to like, find what you enjoy. There isn't like a one size fits all when it comes to any of this, like nutrition, diet, exercise, stress management. It's all so unique. And I think like finding that balance between all of them is really, really key. So I love everything you just said there. Brooke, it's been so amazing to chat to you today. You've given such helpful information and I really hope that all of the listeners have learned something new because I definitely have. Uh, It's been so lovely to chat to you today. I'm going to link your information in the show notes of the episode so people can head over to, you know, your website, your socials, that kind of thing and um, check out what you have to offer. So thank you so much, Brooke. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. So that is the end of the episode. If you enjoyed, I'd love for you to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Connect with me on Instagram at Finding My Fit Podcast, and I will see you in the next episode.